So 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 16. 1 John 4 and 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. I, I have a question for you. We have, a, we, we have a challenge or a tendency, I think, especially after we become believers, to question and doubt at times the love of God. And a lot of that is based on the fact when we make mistakes and we fall and we mess up that we think that maybe God doesn't love us anymore. I have a question. When did God start loving you? The scripture says that while we were yet sinners... So I'm not here to say when exactly the starting point that God loved you, but we at least know that God loved us before we ever get saved. And no matter what mistakes you and I make after we get saved, most of us still are living a whole lot better than we did before we got saved. So if he was willing to love you before you got saved as a sinner, what are you going to do that's going to cause him to stop loving you once you get saved? Herein is our love made perfect or complete, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is... So are we in this world. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I got a, I, I got a question for you. Anybody here today love God? Maybe not as much as you should or whatever, but you love God. I want you to keep your hand up for just a second. You get too tired, hold it with the other one for just a second. If you can answer, and I don't doubt one single person that's got your hand up right now. I have no doubt in my mind that you love God. So the fact that you love God is the only evidence. You need no other evidence that God loves you. You need no other evidence that God loves you than the fact that you love 
him. Because according to scripture, you cannot love him except he loves you. Put your hands down. The Living Bible says, verse 21, this way, For to me... Oh, that's not... I'm sorry. The Message Bible. I'm getting ahead of myself. The Message Bible says, verse 18, this way, There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one not yet fully formed in love. Perfect love casts out fear. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning on the antidote to fear. The antidote to fear. God, you are in this place today And you have already orchestrated this service according to your purpose and plan. And God, based on what we have sung so far and what I believe you have given me to preach here today, it may only be one person, God, but there's somebody here today that you're talking to. There's somebody here today that you've come to minister to. And I'm pretty sure, God, it's more than one person this morning. And so I am asking you to do in this place today what you desire to do, God. That your spirit would work and move in this place as it already is. That it would continue. And that hearts and lives would leave this place today transformed by the power of your spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. For all of you that have short-term memory, we started off this morning, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Fear is, in essence, negative faith. I believe it was Job that said, the thing that I have, I think he said, greatly feared. The thing that I have greatly feared has come upon me. So fear is negative faith. However, faith is not the antidote to fear. Hallelujah. I said fear is negative faith. But faith is not the way to deal with your fear. John tells us the way that we deal with our fear is that perfect love. Complete love. What is perfect love? Perfect love is is not, the word perfect usually in scripture does not mean without flaw or, or, or without failures. It's not 
perfect in the context we often use it. Really, the, the meaning of that word is more so something that is complete. It is not lacking. And the bottom line is, your love and my love from a human standpoint is not perfect. There is not one of us in this place today that is capable of loving perfectly through our own means and ability. But God's love is perfect. I don't care how much you and I love someone with human love, that love fluctuates. That's why they say, you know what, you can use sometimes a second honeymoon. You married long enough, you might need a third honeymoon. Keep going long enough, you might need a tenth honeymoon. Because there are times where you need to fall in love again. But you need to understand today, God's love does not fluctuate. God's love for you does not go up one day and down the next. God loved, God's love is steady. But also understand that God's love is not steady at the lowest level. Because God's love is complete. God's love is perfect. You cannot do anything for God to love you more. I don't care if you pray two hours every single day and you fast two days every week and every single person you meet, you tell them about Jesus and you never have a bad thought and you you do everything exactly the way you're supposed to do it. He will not love you one bit more. And I don't care if you sin 20 times every single day. He will not love you one bit less. Because his love is complete. And it is his love that is the antidote to fear. Now I'm going to bring something up here, but I, I really, to be honest, I'm very reluctant to bring it up. Because I don't want you to write this message off as that that's what it's all about. But I'm preaching to some people this morning that some of you are battling fear of the latest thing that's all up in arms in our world. You're all worried about the coronavirus. You are aware it's not the first issue we've ever had. And you do realize it won't be the last. Which is why I'm using that, but I'm telling you this message is not about that by itself. Because the bottom line is God desires for us to live without fear all the time. Because the, here, here's the deal. If, if you're, if you live without fear when the coronavirus goes away, and it will. And if you go back to no fear, I shouldn't say it this way, but you're a fool. Actually, that's a Bible term. I was going to say idiot, but I dialed it back. Because the bottom line is, whether there's a coronavirus or any other virus, there is so many things that you ought to be afraid of every day from a human perspective. Every time you get inside of an automobile, if you got any brains at all, you ought to be afraid. Well, I'm a really good driver. So what? There's a bunch of people that aren't. I'm a pretty good driver. I think I'm a pretty good driver. But I've seen some idiots out there. 
I saw one just the other day. I was on Route 50. I was I was right around Baydale Drive, and this guy was in the inside lane behind a pickup truck, and literally out of nowhere, he whipped over behind me and over into the outside lane, and was I mean, he was gone. How come when I speed a little bit, there's always a cop? And people do stuff like that, and there's none to be found. I mean, my, my little bit of speeding doesn't deserve a ticket. But that does. It's a whole message for another day. Because you do know I'm not being serious in that. Oh, that's the way our flesh works. I'm being but that's not the way it, but we do the same thing. Anyway, that's not the message. And the bottom line is, sitting here right now, you ought to have, you, you've got faith. Don't tell me you don't. Our problem is not faith, real ultimately. Almost every single time, I don't know why, I guess it's probably because of the place I ride one the most frequently, but if I go to Target in the Annapolis Mall, almost every time I get on the escalator there, I get about halfway up and my mind starts going, there is nothing under me. We've got faith. We sit, we're staying, I mean, bottom line is whenever you get off the ground, you got faith. You got faith right here that this structure is going to hold you. Well, the bottom line is when this virus passes, and again, it will, it'll pass. That's not the end of what causes fear in our lives. That may be the latest thing on our radar, but you know what? Those things are really just a blessing from God. God lets those things come because if you're all up in arms and terrorized about the fact I might get the coronavirus and die, then you ought to go, thank you, Lord, for letting me know I'm not living in your love right now. Because if I am living in your love, there is no room for fear. Oh, hallelujah. Y'all may have enjoyed the singing better than the preaching, even though the message is the same. Bottom line is, God is love. And if I am dwelling in love, there is no room for fear. If you've got fear, you've got the indicator that you are not properly dwelling in love. Come on, brother, right? You, come on, come on, preach. You tell him we really should never be afraid. I don't see where John gives us any room that it's okay to have some fear and you're still in. He says perfect love casteth out fear. You know what that word cast there means? It means to throw. Perfect love throws out fear. Perfect love will not let fear abide because fear has torment. And Paul told Timothy, God... God, God has not given us the spirit of fear. So if you're battling fear, guess who's the giver of the gift? The one whose primary purpose is to torment. But perfect love casts out fear. 
Oh, we, 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 we often live so below our means. I mean, again, once this thing, and I, it'll pass. It will pass. And if you can't get peace over this thing, you're not going to have peace over the next thing. And the bottom line is, uh, people die every day from diseases that don't just pass. I'm, if you're going to live in fear of corona, you need to live in fear of everything. I just, there's, there was, there's a guy that play racquetball with, one of the guys in the league I play, and, and a couple of months ago we got notice he was going to be just kind of out of the blue. He got notice he was going to be out for a while because he was diagnosed with cancer. Probably early 50s, be my guess. He had surgery, went through some treatment, now he's back. And I asked him the other morning, I said, if you don't mind me asking, what, what kind of cancer did you have? He said, I had prostate cancer. He said, I had no idea I had it. Just happened to test his blood for some reason, and in the midst of testing that, they said, oh, you got, we got to deal with this now. Y'all sitting here worried, somebody's in here worried about the coronavirus. You might, you might have cancer in your body right now, and you don't know it. <gasps> oh, my, now I got two things to be afraid of. You know what? I, this is not. This is. I'm, I, you're not. Some of you may not like this, but I pray one of two things happen today, for every person under the sound of my voice. I pray you either leave here in complete love, or you leave here with more fear. One of the two. I pray that you walk out of here with all fear gone because you know he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. And I am in his love. And so I've got nothing to fear. Or I pray you walk out of here so afraid you barely can get in your car and drive off the hill. Because maybe if that's the way it is, you'll go back down to the prayer room or come back in here and spend yourself long enough time to know that I will walk out of here and I am in his love. And I've got nothing to fear. Nothing. You know what? Some of you probably heard him. I heard a couple of stories of people on 9-11, people, Christians that were supposed to be in the World Trade Towers. They either worked there or had some purpose of business there that day. And some unexplained thing happened and they weren't there. Are you saying, preacher, that there were no Christians that died in the World Trade Center? No, I'm not saying that. But Paul addresses that. He says in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ. We're okay with that point, but most of us, we don't really like the next part. To die is gain. The Living Bible says that this way. For to me, living means opportunities for Christ. And dying, well, that's better yet. We, most of us, and I said us, I didn't say you, I said us. Most of us don't live that way. Which is part of the reason we live with fear. 
Because if you could live with Paul's attitude, what's there to worry about? The threat of dying is no longer a threat. If I'm able to keep living here, that's another opportunity for Christ to work in and through me. But if this life ends, then I've received my eternal reward. So what's there to be afraid of? Perfect, complete love. Gas out. That's why... (laughs) I forget, I think I saw this on Facebook yesterday. I think it was Facebook's, and probably one of you posted it, so I don't really remember who, but so if I mess it up, please forgive me. But but this this they said this this uh this girl yelled to her boyfriend, I love you. And he yelled back, You scare me to death. That word love, that's, you see, that's part of our problem. I, I, I'm not going to try to make up for the fact I didn't preach last Sunday morning, but I'm going to take my time. That, that's part of our problem. We live in a world where the word love is completely perverted. In fact, the problem in our world today is we really have used the word love and lust synonymously. And really what we do is we say we love, but in fact what we're truly saying is we lust. Nobody's ever going to say that to their significant other. I lust you. But the bottom line is when you really love someone, you don't do the things that people say they love the other person does. And so we, 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 we've got this perverted mentality of love. And, and as is our human nature, we, that, that's the struggle when if you've had, especially if you've had a, a, a negative experience with your earthly father, and then, and then the preacher or the word gets up and the word tells us, or the preacher gets up and preaches, God is your father. No, thank you. Why? Because we have a tendency to put on him what we are used to. And so, Even the best that we love and others have loved us, we have a tendency to put on him. Your love fluctuates. But your love is perfect. It's perfect. That's why anybody that ever tells you and this this is probably more so common in a in a dating relationship well if you love me prove it and usually the way that's stated is if you love it prove it by sleeping with me i i know I, somebody help maybe I, not right now but maybe after church how in the world do we ever come I, all the little kids are gone okay so how do we ever come to call two people unmarried having sex sleeping together they're not sleeping. Oh, dude, they slept together. We can sit here right now and all sleep together. There ain't nothing wrong with that. I mean, if I'm preaching, I'd rather you not sleep, but you, we could sleep together right now. That's, it's fornication. They had sex. They sinned. But no, we come up with new terminology because it kind of, you know. I'm so, I really, I don't, maybe you know where that term, I don't understand it. 
I guess maybe they have sex and then they sleep. I don't know. We love. We love. We love. And we try to love, but our love is not complete. But His love is perfect. And if I dwell in His love, there is absolutely nothing to fear. And He desires for me not to fear. We heard these verses last night and you were here at United. I, whether you care or not, it was already my direction. So I'm not just tag on off of copying or what was said last night. But I, this is, this is what I've been feeling all week. And again, what's been done here already this morning is confirmation. Psalms 91 verse 1. I shared this the other day on, on realm, on the church. What do you call that? Pla- whatever. Communication platform. That sounds good. <laughs> he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You understand to be in the shadow of something, you've got to be close to it. <laughs> My shadow only goes so far. And more often than not, when you are in the, especially of another person, when you are within the shadow, or if you are in the shadow of somebody, you are also probably within reach. So when I'm dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, and I am under the shadow of the Almighty, that means He's real close by me. And anything that gets to me, He is able to stop it from coming to me, if that's what He chooses. So I've got nothing to fear. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee. Surely He shall deliver thee. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou thrust, shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid. You know what? If you're going to live in fear, I know that this is a, this is really a broad statement I'm about to make because I, I, but I, but let me just say it in this. If you're going to live in fear, what's the purpose of being a Christian? If you're not going to be able to live without fear, what, what, how much better off for you than the person that's unsaved? You will not be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the, nor, nor for the pestilence that walketh by in darkness. Let me say it that way on, what's today? March the, eighth? Let me say it this way on March the eighth. Nor for the coronavirus, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand. And that's, here's our problem. We see what goes on around us again, whether it's what we're in right now or whatever it is, it's going to come. And oh my goodness, it's got them, so I'm next. But the psalmist said, it's going to hit those that are around you, but it's not coming to you. It may touch them, but it's not going to touch you because you are 
are in the secret place of the Most High. But here, here, here's, the, here, here's the challenge, if you will. Because again, some of you, if you're honest, you, you, you'd have to say, I, I'm not living free from fear. And I know what the Bible says, but why don't I? Well, partly because of this. I want you to notice the third word of that first verse. He that dwelleth. It is not he that visiteth. It's not he that visits the place of the Most High. It is he that dwelleth. And the word dwell means this, to remain, to sit, to abide, to stay. And hence, here's another problem. Most of us subconsciously, let me rephrase that, many of us subconsciously relate what I just read to you to this place right here. He didn't say he that goes to church. He didn't say he that attends church service is under the secret place in the shadow. He didn't say that. He said he that dwells, that remains, that abides. That means I'm so glad to be here this morning amongst people of like precious faith. And and part of the beauty of what we do when we come together is, maybe not for you, but I find a lot of times it's a lot easier to get into the presence of God when I am in a group of believers and it's not all on me. I need those times where I'm by myself. But I also find great strength and encouragement when I... I come together and the worship team is not there to entertain us, but they are there to lead us. And we go into the presence of God together. But I can't leave that place. I've got to dwell there. I've got to stay there. I've got to live my life in the secret place. You can't live there if you're running your own life. You're not in, if you're afraid today, probably what you need to realize is you're probably not dwelling. That, that's why I, I was about to get asked for people to raise a hand if you've experienced this, but it, that's a little unfair, so I won't. But I, I'm pretty sure some of us here can relate today of what it's like. We come to church. Struggling, depressed, discouraged, whatever else may be going on, maybe battling through. We come to church and we get in the presence of God and the Spirit of God moves and, and we feel better. And we leave feeling better. But sometimes as soon as we get to the car, other times a few hours later, other times it may be a couple of days later, but all of that stuff comes back on us. Why? Because we paid the secret place a visit. We went to the, we, 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 we went by, we got under the shadow for a few minutes, and then we went back to our lives, doing our thing. 
But if I will dwell, and I don't, I, I appreciate you. I've already said it. I appreciate what happens here. But I don't need you to dwell in the secret place. I don't have to come together with other people to dwell in the secret place. The proverb said it like this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it, and they are safe. And I don't have to be in this sanctuary for the name of the Lord to be my strong tower. I can be riding down the road in my car and call on the name of the Lord and it be my strong tower. I can be laying in my bed at night and call on the name of the Lord and it be my strong tower. I can be walking the halls of my school all by myself and call on the name of the Lord and it's my strong tower. I can be sitting at my desk in the workplace all by myself and call on the name of the Lord. And it's my strong tower. That's that's the privilege, and we are in a world right now, especially. But it's really again, I I I don't want to keep referring to what's going on right now and get caught up in the media hype. Man, some of y'all need to get off the internet, get off the news. You. If you can't read, listen, or watch the news without your emotions and your spirit doing this, you need to stop. If you can't listen or watch that stuff and go, well, here's the next thing God's letting happen. Here's the next thing God's doing a deal. But you know what? I'm, I'm in the secret place. I'm in the shadow of the Almighty. And so I don't have to fear this. And again, if God ultimately allows it to touch me, then what do I have to lose? I've got everything to gain. The word, the words secret place means a covering, a shelter, a hiding place. A hiding place. I am sheltered. If, if, if there was a, if there was a mad, angry lion on the other side of these doors right now, Oh well. Who cares? There could be all kind of snakes on the other side of this door right now. Who cares? Because I'm sheltered. Do you know what? Oh man. Do you know what you're saying when you're afraid? Here's what you're saying when you're afraid. I don't have the doors closed. When you're afraid, what you're saying is, I'm not properly in the shelter. Because if I'm properly in the shelter, it doesn't matter what's on the other side of the door. It can't get to me. And so when I say the name of the Lord is a strong tower, that means I am surrounded. And whatever's going on cannot get to me again unless God allows it to. I, I'm not here this morning preaching that, that, that it's the will of God that no believer gets the coronavirus or whatever else. But I am preaching that we ought to have the confidence. That if I do get it, then there's two options. 
I get to be a testimony that the power of God is greater than a sickness. And God's going to heal me. Or I just get to go to my heavenly reward a little bit quicker. It's really a win-win. But again, I know, I know, I know. There's some other crazy stuff I could preach this morning. You'd believe it 100%. But this kind of thing, we're like, you know, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, come on, brother, right? You're really, we're supposed to live that way. Is that not what scripture says? Perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. If I am in the shadow of the Almighty, There are all kind of things that can go on around me, but not touch me. You know what? If you are a child of God, then there are, there are, there are hedges that surround you. If I use Job, then I could tell you there are at least three hedges that surround us. There's at least three barriers that God has set up in our lives. The Lord says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And, and Satan says, you know, I, you know he, he loves you for you know, the wrong reasons. And besides, I, I can't get to him. So God says, I'll tell you what. I'm going to move the first perimeter. And you can touch his stuff. But you can't touch his body, and you can't take his life. And that's what Satan does. Loses all of his possessions in one day, including seven sons and three daughters, all gone in one day. And what did Job do? Fell down and worshipped. And he said, the Lord giveth. And the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Naked I came into this world. Naked I'm going out. Satan's all upset and God says, all right, I tell you what. I'm going to take down another fence. I'll let you touch his body. I mean, I'll let you take his stuff. Now I'm going to let you touch his body, but you can't take his life. And so he does that. He's covered with boils. He's, he's miserable. He's scraping himself with pottery. He's got dogs licking the boils, trying to find some relief. But the enemy could not take his life. That's why, again, I'm not preaching here today that as believers, as Christians, we won't have problems. We won't have difficulties. We, we're not going to have pain. And so I'm not preaching that. But I'm telling you, we don't have to be afraid of it. And we should be able to trust that if God chooses to allow this to come to me, then there is a purpose for it. But I don't have to be afraid of it because everything is working in my life for my good children of Israel were dwelling in Egypt and they're nearing the time of their deliverance in Egypt and 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 most of you know the story Moses goes to Pharaoh and 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 throws down his rod and all that stuff and then there's plagues that start to happen and the first couple of plagues the first couple of plagues all of Egypt and the children of Israel experienced 
Everybody was impacted by it. But in Exodus chapter 20 and verses 22 and 23, the Lord says, enough is enough. And now I am going to show the difference between Egypt and my people. Oh, I wish I had a preaching church this morning. I've let it go. I've let stuff happen to them just like it happened to Egypt. And in the scripture, Egypt is a type of the world and the children of Israel are a type of the church. I've let this, I've let the same things happen to, to, the, to my people as has happened to the Egyptians. But now it's enough. In fact, would you put, I wasn't going to read it, but would you put that Exodus 20 and 22? Let me just go ahead and read it. I, I've let it go on. But now, thus, and, and the Lord said unto Moses, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, you have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Next verse. I put the wrong thing, not 20. I'm reading the wrong, somebody help me out. I got 20, it's not 20. Oops. Come on, somebody Bible software, help me out. Well, while they're looking, I promise you it does say it. Just not right here. He says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sever, I'm gonna put a line. 820. Where in the world did I get 20? 822. Ah, there we go. 20, what in the world? I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there to the end for this purpose that they may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Next verse, please. And I will put a division between my people and thy people. I'm going to show a distinction between the world and my people. And from that point on, every, every uh, plague that happened to the Egyptians did not happen in the land of Goshen where the children of Israel were dwelling. Everything that happened from this point on did not affect them. The, the Egyptians lost their livestock. They had all kinds of calamity and problem. But everyone that was dwelling in Goshen didn't have to deal with it. And so again, I'm not saying that we're never going to face some of the things the world faces. And we're not going to have to suffer some. But there comes a point in time that God says enough is enough. And I want to show a distinction between the world and between those that are dwelling. They're not just visiting. They're not just stopping by every now and then. But they are dwelling in the secret place. I know, I know we live with this, it, it's, it's again, I think it's just kind of our nature, but we live with this thing that says it'll never happen here. There'll never be a mass shooting at an Anne Arundel County public school, not here. I preach to you young people today, when you walk onto the grounds of your school, you shouldn't walk on there with fear. Because you're not like everybody else. 
you are dwelling, you can, you, excuse me, let me refer, you can dwell in the secret place of the Most High and know that if there is evil that's coming here today, God knows how to hide me because I'm under His shadow. God knows how to protect me because I am dwelling. I am not just visiting. I am dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Perfect, perfect, complete love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. I don't, I guess maybe I'm just, maybe, maybe, maybe we just had a big coincidence. We just happened to get the songs and the message all the same. And what I'm preaching and what's been sung doesn't relate to anybody here this morning. But if it does, again, why would we want to live below what is available to us? I'm going to say it again just to be clear. I am not here this morning preaching that as believers you will never face calamity. I'm not preaching that. I am not here today to preach that no no believer should get sick. I'm not preaching that. and I'm not preaching that. But I'm preaching we should not live in fear and torment of what is going on in the world around us no matter what the circumstances are. I'll never forget, I think some of you, few of you at least were here. If I'm not mistaken, we may have been in the warehouse at the time. There was a, there was a missionary that came through on deputation, and that's what mission, missionaries travel and raise money. It's called deputation. I, I, was, I think I was somewhere around seven, eight, nine years old based on where we were living at the time. It would have been somewhere in that time frame. And there was a missionary that came, and I'll never forget this. He had a little... Like I think it was like a kid's size shirt. If I'm not mistaken, I remember it being yellow. And on that shirt, there were several different little round holes. And the story was, there was a group of people having church. And there was some guerrilla warfare or whatever that was going on. And they threatened the people that were at church. We're coming and we're going to kill you. And the pastor said, if you stay here, you will be safe. And if you leave, you're taking your own life in your own hands. And that shirt, that had holes but no blood, was on the body of one of the ones that stayed. And others ran and lost their lives. I know, I know. Y'all will believe a great fish ate a man, but you won't believe that. You'll believe one day that suddenly you're going to rise up off the ground and and gravity's not going to hold you anymore. But you have trouble believing God is stronger than some bullets? You got trouble believing God is able to stop the mouth of a lion 
figuratively in our lives, if I'm dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, I have nothing to fear because either He's going to stop it from getting to me or if it gets to me, there is a greater purpose. And either way, I trust that I am dwelling in love. Let me read this. I want to read it because I, 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 I want you to hear it and get it. And I don't really want to leave anything out. John G. Lake. John Graham Lake was a Canadian-American leader in the Pentecostal movement that began in the early, early 20th century and is known as a faith healer, missionary, and with Thomas Hesmalhawk, co-founder of the Apostolic Faith Mission of South Africa. While on missions in South Africa from 1908 to 1913, during that time, there was a terrible outbreak of the bubonic plague. Now listen, I'm reading this and I'm reading and I believe this is, this is a, this is from a biography in the journal of John G. Lake. Listen to this. During that great plague that I mentioned, they sent a government ship with supplies and corps of doctors and a corps of doctors. One of the doctors sent for me and said, what have you been using to protect yourself? Antibacterial cream, a mask. Our core has this preventative and that which we use as protection. But we concluded that if a man could stay on the ground as you have and keep ministering to the sick and burying the dead, you must have a secret. What is it? I answered, brother, that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I believe that just as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and body that no germ will ever attach itself to me for the spirit of God will kill it. Now, if you never heard this story, hang on. Because I know, well, that sounds really great. Uh Uh-huh, well, whatever. Okay, listen. He asked... Don't you think that you had better use our, the doctor, don't you think you had better use our preventatives? I replied, no, but doctor, I think that you would like to experiment with me. If you will go over to one of these dead people and take the foam that comes out of their lungs after death, then put it under the microscope, you will see masses of living germs. You will find that they are alive until a reasonable time after a man is dead. Now watch this. Watch this for all of you that are so afraid. Listen to what this guy, he says, you can fill my hand with them, with these germs, and I will keep it under the microscope, and instead of these germs remaining alive, they will die instantly. Again, we're we're not just talking great faith. Here we go. They tried it and found it was true. They questioned, what is that? 
I replied, that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When a man's spirit and a man's body are filled with the blessed presence of God, it oozes out of the pores and your flesh kills the germs. And then he says this, suppose on the other hand, my soul had been under the law of death and I were in fear and darkness. The very opposite would have been the result. The result would have been that my body would have absorbed the germs. These would have generated disease and I would have died. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Why? Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. You have made the shadow of the Almighty the place where you live. And so I have no reason to fear. Oh, here's the problem. Here's the, and I'm, I'm preaching to everybody, or hopefully the Lord is talking to everybody this morning, whether you're a guest or you come here all the time. But let me say something to those that come here all the time and, and you consider yourself to be a member here and a part of this church. They don't have hope out there. They don't have a solution to their fear out there. Where else are they going to get the answer? And if the ones who are supposed to be dwelling in the secret place and living without fear are living in fear, what hope do those have out there that aren't in the secret place? You're sitting on your job the last week or this coming week and whatever happens one way or the other. Your co-workers are, boy, I don't know what this corona, I don't know what this coronavirus is going to do. I, I, I don't know if I want to keep coming to work. And you jump in that conversation saying the same things. Come on, come on. I know, I, I don't, I, I don't know. And please understand, I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of months. And this may change. But as of this week, I have decided, I got an invitation, last second invitation to go to Brazil the first weekend of May. I don't think so. First of all, it's two months away. And you know what? It may very well get worse by then, and and the Lord may cause me to not go. But at this point, I didn't decide, uh, maybe next time. What good is all of this if it doesn't translate to our daily lives? If all this is good for is the hour and a half or two hours we're here this morning or come back tonight for two hours, if that's all it's good for, that's really not much. We can't live here. We are not of the world, but we are in the world. 
We're not supposed to become hermits. We're not supposed to all go away to a compound someplace and live just all of us believers in huddled. No, we're supposed to be able to walk through this world with the confidence that I am under the shadow of the Almighty and that I am living in love. And because I am living in love, I've got nothing to fear. And any fear that tries to come is cast out by the love of God. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, from a natural perspective, that is crazy what he did. Bring me. Bring me. Bring me. Go get it. Get your microscope. Go get it. Most of us be like, hey, Brother Isaac, I'll watch you. I'll watch you do it. <laughs> I'll watch it die on you. Or, or more so, I'll watch it die on you. I mean, I'll watch it. I know, I know, I, 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 I agree. I'm not, that statement, I, I can't find you any place in the Bible where it says the Spirit of God oozes out of your pores. I can't give you book, chapter, and verse where it says the Spirit of God oozes out of your pores. But I think there's principle for what he said. Because when I'm born again, it's His blood that's flowing through my veins. And His blood overcomes any sickness. And His blood overcomes any disease. And so I have no reason to fear. Amen. I go, I, I, listen, I understand. I, I wear a seatbelt. Nowadays I wear it probably for no other reason because the car won't shut up. It'll either ding, 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 or my wife's van says, passenger, seatbelt. Driver's seatbelt. And it'll go for a little while, and then a few minutes later. So finally, the simplest thing to do to get it, it's like the importunate widow. Keeps knocking. So it's like, fine, just to get you to shut up. I don't think great faith is you get in your car and you don't put a seatbelt on. Because God, I know I did this, I can't find this term in the Bible, but I think God gives us common sense. That's why, you know, a couple of folk we were talking about, I forget where we're recently. There are people in the room that have voluntarily, voluntarily jumped out of an airplane. I had a couple of people that I I, I know very well, and I consider them, I love them, not just as a pastor. I I mean, relate. I'm telling you, they just got something wrong in the brain. I have no idea why you would voluntarily choose. And, and on top of that, you pay. You pay money to go up in the air and jump. And then on top of that, some of them have done it and they want to do it again. My thinking is, every time you do it, the odds increase. That something's going to go wrong. 
I used to ride, I used to ride just about any roller coaster. There was some other rides I didn't, but any, I would ride just about any roller coaster. And nowadays, I, I don't know when the last time I've ridden one. Cause when I get in an amusement park now, I'm not living in love. I will just tell you. And I am just pretty much convinced I'm going to be on the train that gets to the top of the 500 foot hill and get stuck and everybody's got to get off and walk back down. So there's one way I can guarantee that's not going to happen. Keep my feet on the ground. So again, don't, don't misunderstand me. Don't twist what I'm preaching here. That's why, you know, these churches, there's, and there are churches that have snakes that they voluntarily bring to church. Excuse my grammar, but this ain't been and it ain't gonna be no snake handling church. Cause I don't think what Jesus was saying was bring snakes to church and play with them to prove that they want, that's not what he was saying. He said, if, if you drink any, not if you purposely go and I'm not going to go home and drink a gallon of bleach to prove to y'all that God gives us common sense. But at the same time, God gives us faith that while I'm going to do my due diligence, I'm also not going to live in fear. I, I, I go to the Y and, and my kids all started going, I think that was last year. So I go there some, man, they got, they got wipes everywhere. You watch people get done with their exercise, man, they are, I, I don't know why they need to bring anybody into the Y to clean. All the people exercise and take care of, well, they wipe it all down, man. I, I'm not, please, I, please understand I don't want you leaving here and if you, if you, if you use the disinfectant on the way out, I don't want you to think I'm saying you don't have faith. My point is, if that's where your trust is, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord because the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous run into and they are safe. The Amplified says that verse this way and I'm closing. Proverbs 18 and 10 in the Amplified. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The consistently righteous man kind of sounds like dwelling, not visiting. The consistently righteous man, upright and in right standing with God, runs into it and is safe, high above evil and strong. I don't know how many times I've told this in my preaching, but I will tell it again. I, I, the, the number of times as a kid and a teenager riding down the road in the back seat of the car and some kind of a close call happened. And from the back seat, I would hear my mother, Jesus, 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 Jesus. She wasn't swearing. She wasn't taking the name of the Lord in vain. You know what she was doing? There's a strong tower 
There's a strong tower, and I need it right now. You see, aren't you glad to know that every prayer you pray doesn't have to have a dissertation? Heavenly Father, here is my need, and here is what needs to be done, and I am dealing with this, and this is all that's going on, and here's how I feel, and this is what's happening, and so I need you to do something. Sometimes all you have time to do, and sometimes all you need to do is just simply say, Jesus. And Jesus knows exactly where you are and exactly what you're facing and exactly what you need because the chances are you've been in his shadow and so he already knows what's going on. And you may need to call on him, but he's already there because you are dwelling in love. Oh, how... He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. It's amazing that the very thing that is the antidote to our fear is the very thing that motivates Him to do everything He does. For God so loved. Think about it. God God could have looked down on this earth and all the stuff that was going on and the way that man was living. And God could have, out of anger and frustration, said, i got to go do something. i got to go fix this. If you're a parent and your kid makes a mess and you got to clean up, you don't always clean up your kid's messes because you just love them so much. And they're such sweet little darlings. You just want to help them out can't believe you did that. If you'd have listened to me, you wouldn't have knocked this milk over. If you'd have paid attention, you wouldn't have broken this. That's not how he came. He didn't come and walk on this earth walking. I can't believe all of you. I made you with my own hands. I, I made you to love me. I made you to follow me. And look at that. I can't. That's not what his attitude was. Love. 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 If you notice, and it's not really been the focus of the message, but if you notice, the context of what John's talking about ultimately is the day of judgment. It's kind of sad that we fear a virus or a disease and could care less about the great day of judgment. I mean, if there's something you really ought to be afraid of, it really ought to be of God's judgment when you stand before Him. And so that's the thing that John is saying. If you live in love, you don't even have to face the most daunting, you don't even have to fear the most daunting thing you will ever face because love casts out fear. I want you to stand. Many of you have been around long enough to know. There are times that the worship team has one thing and the message is completely different and and nobody missed it. God's a God of balance. But then there are days like today where it seems that God is so intent on getting a message across and ministering to somebody that everything just flows together as if as if it was all pre-planned. I said it at the beginning, I'm going to say it again. Those of you who don't know it, that's my daughter Esther. 
She lives at my house. Oh, you guys probably talked this morning. Ask my wife. Ask my wife how many times she's asked me, what are you preaching today? I don't have direction for the worship. Not telling. Rarely will I tell. Why? Because I want to know. Forget about you. I want to know that what God does is divine. And there are times I request a song. I'm not saying. It happened last Sunday. Sitting there in the afternoon, I was sitting in my chair studying. She's, I got about three or four songs. I don't know. What are you preaching? I don't even know. I smiled. I just stayed silent. We, we didn't talk. I didn't tell Esther. Esther, I need you to sing about fear. I need you to sing about God. I didn't. She started that first song, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then the second one, okay. Because God wants somebody to leave this place in His love without fear. And I'm going to say it one more time. This message is not about a virus that we're dealing with right now. Because people, there's people in this place today, before there was any talk of a coronavirus, you already had stuff going on in your life. And when the coronavirus gets out of the news, you've got the same stuff that's still there. And so whatever the circumstances are, it is God's desire for you to live in His love without fear. So I want you to close your eyes, if you would, for a moment right where you are. I want to give an invitation right now. You're here today. I don't care if it's your first time or if it's your 10,000th time. The bottom line is, I don't know any of us that live perfectly all the time without fear. We all go through our moments of struggle because we are humans. And so I, I say that because I don't want anybody to feel like there is a, there's judgment because if I acknowledge that I'm battling fear, then everybody's going to think negative. That's not the case. That's the voice of the enemy. If you're here today and whatever it is, whatever the source of it is, you're willing to acknowledge there's a level of fear you're battling in your life and, and there's some torment that's going on and, and, and you want that to stop and the answer to that is knowing that you are dwelling in God's love. I want to invite you to get out of your seat right now and come make your way down to this front of this sanctuary and stand here and And really, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come, and this may sound odd, but I want you to allow. I want you to allow Him to embrace you in His love. I want you to allow Him to envelop you. I say allow because... We get to looking at how unworthy we are, how undeserving we are. And when we do that, we push him away. We keep him back. And so we got to take down the barriers. We got to take down the walls. And we've got to allow him, in spite of my own unworthiness, in spite of my weaknesses and my failures, I can dwell in his love. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. If you don't need to respond right now for your own benefit, then would you, 
would you be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord and let the Lord use you to minister to somebody else? I believe, I believe that there are people in this place today that it's the will of God for them to leave today set free from the torment, the fear that they've lived under. Perfect love, perfect love. Complete love. Your love is complete and your love casts out fear. I encourage somebody today, don't just pay a visit to the secret place of the Most High. Don't just get under the shadow of the Almighty for a few moments this morning. But make up your mind. That's going to be your dwelling place. That's going to be where you live. That's where That's where you're going to stay. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. No matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, I don't just have to be at church. I don't just have to be in some kind of spiritual setting. Wherever I am, I can dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Wherever I am, I can call on the name of the Lord and run into that strong tower and be safe. That your love... Let your love envelop us today. Let your love envelop us today, God. Cover us right now with your love. Cover us today with your love.